You're listening to Random Fit with hosts Wendy Batts and Ken Miller, winner of a Gold Markham Award for Digital Media. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this week's edition of Random Fit. I am Wendy Batts, one of your hosts, here with my co-host, Mr. Ken Miller. Ken, how are you today? I'm doing great, Wendy. Couldn't be better. How are you? Ah, you live in a dream. Yeah, you woke up you today. Are. Always okay. good. That's always a good day. Uh, so uh, on this day, um, you know, the one of the things that you and I were talking about uh, when we we're talking about clients and the topic of scoliosis came up and I thought, you know what, we haven't talked. I mean, we talk about posture, spine, you know, activating the muscles that help protect the spine. But what if you have that situation where that person has a situation to where it's not what we're looking for, or it's not something that we can get a client to improve something like scoliosis, where if they're born with it, it's something that's developed over the years, either through activity or as we'll discuss um, with adolescent idiopathic scoliosis, it is one of those situations. It is a situation that their body is in and us as fitness professionals, or even somebody who's like saying, well, you know what, my, I can't get into that position. You know, what do we do about that? If anything, but there, you know, when we look at scoliosis as a situation of, okay, it is a condition that does affect two to three percent of the population, which in the U.S. can affect anywhere between six and nine million people. So it's it's not something that you're you're you know, we should be surprised about, but it's not an everyday thing. But we need to be aware of it when the situation comes up, especially when you are working with people and movement. So when it comes to this, this came up and Wendy, as you and I spoke a couple of weeks ago on this topic, you know, how do we address it? Because I know that in conversations before you have athletes that have signs and symptoms of you know something that's identifiable as scoliosis and has been medically diagnosed as being scoliosis for them so i'm glad we're talking about this today because again i have a i have a newer client who is in a situation where she is kind of just diagnosed and actually the progression is 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 actually increasing as far as the curvature in her spine so I'm uh, I'm ready to dive in deeper with with this topic. Yeah, and I'm glad you brought it up too because you know I have I work with um, I know I say this often, but a lot of my professional athletes that come in, believe it or not, um, there are multiple that come in and say I have scoliosis, and you know so I had to do a lot of research when I first started. Like you know, do I train them differently, or what are some considerations I need to think about, or you know, if I see this in the assessment, is it because of you know actually muscles that are causing that or is it a spinal thing you know and what do you look for and um so when you started talking about it i was like all right and then when he started digging deeper in the research you know i found it kind of interesting to realize that the primary age if you're not born with it the primary age where you start to notice it they were saying is anywhere between 10 and 15 years old and so you know it's like that kind of took me back a little bit like oh that's that is interesting plus the more that we do, you know, dove into the topic, I didn't realize the three very distinct pillars of scoliosis. And so when we talk about scoliosis in general, we're just talking about an unnatural curvature of the spine that happens, you know, either, like you said, at birth, 
and it's detected the day that they're born, you know, you're able to see it. The doctors are going to say, oh, they have, you know, um, scoliosis. And that happens, um, you know, before the baby's even born and digging di deeper into that, I was like, well, how is that possible? And it depends on the growth of the baby. And sometimes one side can grow faster than the other side. And that's what ends up throwing the spine off that can lead to that, that, um, that curvature before the baby's even born. And I was like, I never knew that. I never really knew that that was how that developed. Um, you know, again, I think I know a lot, but I didn't know that. <laughs> right. so, you know. Now with, with that being said, you know, there, there is a lot going on too. So as you said, the three pillars, the other one's neuromuscular. So when you have a neuromuscular scoliosis, now we're looking at, I'm just looking at my notes here, when you have situations where the nervous system and the muscular system, they're not communicating well, which can lead to some atrophy, which now, if we're not supporting the spine through muscular strength and endurance, um, now uh, situations like cerebral, uh, cerebral palsy, uh, spinal cord trauma, muscular dystrophy, things that affect the muscular strength around the spine, that can affect the how the how the spine is supported so if you have weakness in one side versus the other that can that can get somebody into more of that lateral curvature and then that idiopathic scoliosis which is the third one um this is where if it's not congenital and it's not neuromuscular it's pretty much most of the time it's going to be that idiopathic scoliosis which happens in 80 80 some odd percent of the cases of scoliosis. And as you said, Wendy, this will happen mostly during the ages of, of puberty. So between 10 and 15 or while they're going through that growth process. So they can they can have a quote unquote normal spine as they're growing up. But as they hit that age range or they hit puberty, this is where things can start to deviate as it is with my one of my with one of my clients as, as she hit puberty. This is where, you know, the, the doctor had her reach down, touch her toes. And she said, yep, we definitely have a, a lateral curvature of the spine. And as the process goes, as it was communicated to me um, upon secondary evaluation, six, eight months later, there is a progression. So now the question is, as far as the parents are concerned, is, okay, what can we do about it, right? So what can we do about that? Um, because if we're trainers, as we said at the at the beginning of the recording here on Random Fit and Exercise and Scoliosis, but myself and Wendy Batts can, and and what we're talking about here is how, how you know, what's the recourse, you know, because nobody wants it to progress if it doesn't have to. Um, but there are some exercises. There are some things you can do if it's, you know, on the milder side of scoliosis. But again, a more progressed, uh, more advanced scoliosis situation might need some medical intervention, depending on what's uh, depending on what's happening. But the biggest thing here, Wendy, is the fact that, again, two to three percent of the population, we don't think of, OK, well, it's two to three percent, which means 90 percent, 97 percent of the time, if I'm going to work with somebody, it's going to be. A regular you know relatively healthy spine but again if you work with enough people this is definitely something that you might come across for again you and i wendy we're not medical professionals right so we are even though if it's glaring in our face as far as okay this is a definite we are not in a position to say you have scoliosis that's for a medical professional to say uh based on their diagnosis their medical training to to tell you 
okay, this is the situation. So we're not in a situation to say, hey, you've got scoliosis. We might say you might want to get that checked out, but we're not diagnosing anything when it comes to that. Well, and I think it's important too, like, you know, if you're thinking about like, what are some signs and symptoms, you know, when you're looking at someone, especially because we evaluate people's movement patterns from the very start, you know, you're going to see maybe someone that has uneven shoulders. One may be slightly higher than the other. You know, you might have a shoulder blade that appears to be more prominent on one side than the other. Now, again, that can be postural as well. It doesn't mean that somebody that has those two right away means that they have scoliosis. It's just, these are some of the common signs and symptoms. Um, obviously, you know, with me and my manual therapy license, the first thing I look at is the ASIS bones. And Ken, I know you do as well. And we wanna see how, how neutral are they? Is one higher, is one rotated? You know, what's going on there? But very often with scoliosis, um, clients, you're going to notice that one might be slightly higher than the other. So that's also very common. You know, um, you're going to think that, you know, one hip looks higher when they're standing. One side of the rib cage may kind of slightly jut forward. And then it, like you had said with, with, with your client and the feedback from the parents, it happened when the doctor had her bend forward that they saw the curve because, you know, obviously it's a very bony prominence that you can see when someone bends forward, you know, the spine and the, you know, just the spine and the low back and those tissues show that very often. So, you know, those are, those are some signs and symptoms of, of what people might notice, you know, and then that would be our cue too. If we saw a bunch of these to say, Hey, you know, how is your spine? Have you gotten it checked? Or when you do your physical, has anyone looked at this or noted anything, or were you born with something, or is there something you're not telling me? But I know for myself can, and, and me working with my clients, it is, I don't change a lot of what I do. Um, with a, a client that has scoliosis and these are professional athletes in comparison to another professional athlete that doesn't have it because we always start with the assessment and then try to work on balancing the body the best that we can, knowing that there's still going to be asymmetries. Yeah, exactly. And if you're new to random fit and you don't really know what Wendy and I are, are, are talking about, you know, the, the, the training model that we subscribe to, which is the OPT model through the National Academy of Sports Medicine. Um, but when it comes to training clients, the one thing that we really want to understand about our client first before moving them or putting load or a dumbbell in their hands is we want to know what their structural integrity is like, which is why we do the movement assessment. To, so those landmarks that Wendy talked about, so for example, the ASIS, the anterior superior iliac spine, those are just bony notches in the front of the hips that we used to see, okay, well, what position is the left side relative to the right side? And if we know that there's something that's off, again, we're referring to the kinetic chain checkpoints where we're looking at the shoulders, hips being level, um, you know, chin, sternum, belly button, all being in line, hips, knees, and toes, all that good stuff. But if we notice that there is somebody that's little, I don't say off, but things aren't, shoulders aren't level, hips aren't level, um, one shoulder might be rotated forward compared to the other. And those are red flags for us because if I'm going to have you do, let's say, a, a front squat, right? Or if I'm going to put load in your hands where you're holding a dumbbell and now I want to see, okay, well, structurally, what kind of stress is your body going to go through? Well, if it's if you're rotated or shifted, that means that some muscles are going to get more stress or they're going to experience more of that weight and more of that load than other muscles, which if we just have you go how you naturally want to move with these muscle imbalances, 
it's going to not only, I mean, you're going to get a workout, but it's going to lead to uneven stress on the spine specifically in this topic matter, but also the hips or the knees or the foot and ankle. This is why we do an assessment. So those landmarks that you mentioned, Wendy, those are very important for everybody to to know because if you're an exerciser, you don't have a personal trainer, watch yourself squat, watch yourself move in the mirror. And if you notice that there is a lack of symmetry or a very gross deviation one side versus the other, just know that that's uneven weight on the spine, which can put more stress on the spine. And if you have somebody as a client or you yourself have been diagnosed with scoliosis, then just take those things into consideration because just remember, if you load the spine, if I put a bar on my back and I'm squatting, that is compression directly down on my spine. That's already, it's it's not vertical. You've got this lateral, you got this lateral flexion now. So now the relationship between the vertebrae is going to be skewed and you're go, you might be adding some more compressive forces on the spine than, than needed. So there are some contraindications towards some exercise. Definitely in all the research, you know, the articles that I've read through in preparation for this podcast recording, one of the biggest things you want to look at is, okay, well, what are you doing to save the spine from added uneven stress or wear and tear? And this is where, again, if you've been diagnosed, now you want to be able to take action to, to save that spine for what you have. And, and can, you know, well, today on Random Fit, myself, Wendy Batts and Ken Miller, we're talking about exercise and scoliosis. And, you know, we did talk about the three particular pillars. So just as a review, you've got your neur neuromuscular uh, scoliosis, congenital, you're born with it. And then we're talking about the idiopathic which unfortunately occurs usually during puberty if it's going to happen, but it can also show up later in elderly clients as they start losing some of the, you know, the disc integrity um, between the vertebrae. And we, we've seen a lot of research showing that, Ken, that it's not just the young, the young folks that are going to get it, but it can happen later in life. But it's important to think as well when you're, when you're working, um, you know, as if you're not seeing a trainer, you have it you know, did you have to have anything done? Because very often, sometimes, depending on the severity of it, they may have to have some sort of spinal fusion. My aunt actually had it really bad as a child. So they unfortunately had to put metal rods um, in her back. So what she's able to do on flexion and extension is a little bit more limited than somebody that doesn't have metal rods on their spine. Um, so, you know, there, there are different things you want to consider. However, if somebody comes to you, and when I said, you know, a lot of my clients not a lot, but the clients that do have it, that I am very aware, they're aware of it. The one thing that, to your point that has helped more than anything are the exercises that really focus on the core. So the small muscles, just as a recap, what is the core? The core is not just your abs. It is basically any muscle that attaches to your spinal cord. So all, approximately 29 muscles. And so it's everything from cervical spine, thoracic spine, which is mid back and lower back. And so those little muscles that go vertebrae to vertebrae, if you keep those very strong, even if the integrity is, is curved, meaning the spine, I mean, there is a natural curve, obviously, in your lower back and then in your neck, um, or that should be there. But if it's something that's especially more lateral and it's starting to make, um, you know, make your spine curve more, as you start to really focus on exercises such as the plank, so, you know, plank or, you know, um, pow off presses, anything that doesn't move the spine, but you have to contract all of those muscles and you're holding for time under tension, 
that is going to help those smaller muscles start to re-engage. So to Ken's point, you don't start to see that curvature get worse because if you don't do the things like, a, like somebody that doesn't have it and you don't really focus on core because you're nervous about it, you're actually not helping that client as much as you could because it is very important to train those little small muscles first before you do start doing this excessive rotation, flexion, extension, you know, that actually causes that spine to move. Right. And, you know, with, with all that, I mean, it, you know, and I, I don't want to sound like, and I hope we're not sounding like this is like a, a doomsday situation where it's like you have, okay, you've got, you've been diagnosed with scoliosis. Okay. This is everything you need to consider because what's really important is that you stay active, whatever it is that you're doing, um, you know, keep doing it. If you, if there's a certain sport or activity that you love and it's not detrimental to the health of the spine, do that. But I think Wendy, what you and I are really trying to relay here is the fact that, you know, there are some considerations, take those considerations in mind, but do what you can to lead an active, healthy lifestyle, because it is movement that is going to help with maintaining that strength. So like you said, Wendy, with the, you know, keeping core control, core stability, addressing whatever muscles that are that are there and can be activated to help su support the spine, do that. But here's the thing, nothing does that better than activity and movement. So keeping active is the, one of the best things that you can do versus, you know, I got scoliosis, I get pain in my back, so I'm just going to go ahead and sit here because I know it doesn't hurt me. Well, over time, as these imbalances get worse, as the curve can get worse, as can be propagated by excessive sitting or prolonged sitting, then you're not doing yourself any favors. So take the considerations that we're talking about. I, you know, have it, you know, again, diagnosed, know what the situation is and do what you can to keep that spine healthy through movement and exercise. So like you said, Wendy, planks, bird dogs, bridges, getting getting reacquainted with the pelvis and performing tilts and just keeping keeping movement there because again movement is as you say Wendy movement is medicine and when you move you encourage blood flow oxygen to the local area and that's what it's what it's going to take to keep healthy over the long term and we all know that you know that once you once you're once you exercise you're going to be stronger so you know nothing is more evidence than some of the professional and Olympic athletes that have scoliosis, being diagnosed with scoliosis, that have been able to perform at the highest levels, right? I think a lot of people are going to be surprised when they hear some of the people out there that have made great strides in their in their athletic endeavors with scoliosis. And I mean, you've worked with some of them too. Yeah. I mean, I have a, a professional golfer actually that has scoliosis and you know, when you when you look at him, you can see that that he does show the signs. You can see it just visibly about his shoulders and his hips. And you know, one of the things that um, you know we kind of laugh about is when he was you know younger because he was not born with it. It was something that he developed around puberty, and um, it it was getting worse because he is in a sport. He's in golf, and it's a rotational sport. And if you look at research and you're looking at, you know, what it says, like, you know, be careful with asymmetric exercises, rotational sports, you know, power lifting, things like you said that compress the spine, things that have like repetitive extension and flexion, you know, with power behind it, because that does increase stress to the vertebrae. 
However, in our training, what we would do is we worked on the, you know, we did work on obviously his dominant side and leg, but it was very important that we got the non-dominant side, meaning the arm and leg and working in a contralateral position from the side that he doesn't swing that golf club on. We got that way stronger, which helped keep him more level than he was used to being kept in. Like, you know, people just assume you're a golfer. We need to work on your club head speed and we need to work on the same rotation that you do over and over and over again. Think about how many swings somebody does on over 18 holes and then over a championship. So how many days and, and everything of, of that continuous movement, plus if there's, you know, playoff holes or whatever it is, and then he goes and practices and warms up. That's the last thing I want because that repetitive movement is feeding into weakening the other side. And so I think it's very important to think, you know what, we're going to work on core stabilization. Like you said, all the small muscles that don't have the flexion, extension and rotation. And then at that point, do some contralateral movements, such as a single leg squat to row, or, you know, doing different diagonal patterns on the, the opposite side of what he does. Start strengthening your body le as level as you can, and then start adding in some of the different exercises that, that you think are going to be beneficial based on weakness that you saw in the assessment. And I think if you do that, you're not taking away a sport. If a doctor told me I can't do an asymmetrical sport because I have, I have scoliosis, but that was what my passion is and what I loved, that wouldn't go well with me. Or, if, you know, especially if, if these professional athletes had stopped. And so I know, Ken, you had a list. And I mean, I think the number one person that you guys can read about right now, and there's all kinds of information talking about core strength that... I think some of us are like, wait, what was Hussein Bolt? I mean, he yeah, is yeah. The, one of the fastest men alive and guys, he has scoliosis, so it can be done. And running is very jarring on the spine. <laughs> right. And with Hussein Bolt, again, fastest man on the planet. And when it came to his exercise routine, he did a lot of core exercise, a lot, a lot of core stability, a lot of trunk exercises to help manage pain and discomfort. Again, as you said, Wendy, if you're training, you're running fast and you're running far, right? So when, when it comes to Usain Bolt, what I've been able, what I've read about him and, and his, with his relationship and, and with scoliosis is that a lot of it is management, right? So I'm sure a lot of it is towards, okay, what's going to help me get powerful and explosive starts and all that. But a big portion of why he exercises, especially when it comes to core exercises, is for the management of the health of his spine. So, again, fastest man on the planet. This is a guy with scoliosis that's been able to achieve the highest of high uh, accomplishments when it comes to his 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 career. So. Again, you work with a professional golfer. Again, going over the list here off of the Strauss Scoliosis Correction website. Um, tennis players, golfers, swimmers, volleyball, and you know, sprinters, uh, football players, ultra marathon. So you have athletes of all sports, shapes, and sizes with this diagnosis, and they are still doing what they can to push their bodies and achieve the highest accomplishments in their, in their, in their fields, relatively speaking. 
Yes. And, you know, like I said, when we were looking at the list, I'm like, wow, Olympic this person, professional this person. I mean, like you said, I mean, a lot of these were golfers. And so it was interesting because, you know, I was shooting over some names like, hey, you're not alone. Like, look, this person has it. This person has it. Again, this is all, you know, all over the Internet. So it's not like I'm going against some confidentiality here and just saying that, right. you know, what, never give up. And if anything, you know, he after and I don't, I don't know if it's attributed to me, but I could totally take, um, <laughs> I'm totally going to take it. But I mean, he ended up winning one of like a huge championship after training with me for less than three months. Club head speed went up. He felt way better. He was able to walk without getting tired. Because again, think about those hilly courses that someone's walking in golf shoes that aren't very forgive, you know, they, they're not very cushiony. And, you know, he's got a, a specific um, sponsor. So he has to wear a certain pair of shoes or kind of shoes, if you will, by by that, that particular brand that doesn't necessarily work really well with his gait. However, they're super cute. And you know what? He looks good on television, so why not? But, um, you know, so so I think the, the big takeaway is, you know, if you have scoliosis, really focus on core, you know, core exercises. Really think about the, you know, time under tension. Do 12 to 20 repetitions for two to three sets of things warm up with your core exercises after you foam rolled and stretched and done, you know, that part of the flexibility component, start with your activation. If you can activate your glutes, you can activate the small muscles that protect your vertebrae. And then you want to go into something else. You are going to feel better, move better, perform at a definitely a higher level. And it's going to help with increasing that curvature over time. If you were diagnosed with that later on and you weren't born, born with it. Right. And Again, we're bringing up some general information when it comes to strengthening exercise for the spine. But if you want to do more research, go on to the go on the interweb and <laughs> look up scoliosis specific exercises. Again, all of that is the information's out there. But if it's something that's been officially diagnosed, go through your physician, go through the physical therapist or whatever therapist that you might be seeing as a result of a diagnosis and see what what you need to pay attention to. And if you need more exercise options, then again, uh, scoliosis specific exercises are, you know, there's a lot of research out there. And again, like what Wendy says, it's going to be more stability based spine centric when it comes to the cervical all the way to the lumbar spine and all there to help give the spine all the support that it needs to, to be able to handle that lateral that lateral curvature, but you know, it's, it's, it's an eye opener as far as some of the considerations. But again, Wendy, you said, you and I have said in the podcast some time ago, you're only as healthy as your spine. So if your spine is in a situation where it's not that ideal picture, perfect vertical spine, you got to do what you can to keep it as healthy as, 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 as possible uh, with, with exercise. So Wendy, I learned a lot from you as I always do. So thank you very much for your insight when it comes to uh, scoliosis and exercise. Yes. And, you know, thank you. And I'm sorry that, you know, that this happened now to your clients, but when you're talking about it, I'm like, oh, this, you know, this is, this is nothing for me. Let me just tell you about my experiences. And so right. that's actually how we came up with the topic, but I think it was really good that you were able to talk to the parents, reassure them that you could help, you know, with the situation and try to, you know, obviously, yeah get your client feeling better, because I know that that's kind of scary information, especially when you have someone that is, you know, 10 to 15 years old and they just get diagnosed with it. It can be very right. scary. 
Yep. Well, knowledge is power. And once you know what you can do and that you're not helpless against something that, you know, once you learn about it, you're like, oh, OK, this, this is manageable. And that's that's definitely something everybody needs to know about anything that they're doing with their life. So, Wendy, thank you so much for your time and energy effort and sharing your insights when it comes to this topic. But for those of you listening to us here on Random Fit with both Wendy Batts and myself, Ken Miller, thank you so much for your time and listening to us. So if you like what you listen to, like, follow, share, subscribe, and comment. Let us know if there's anything else regarding Random Fit uh, that you'd like to hear from us. Just let us know. So until next time, take care and be well.